It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Mike and Viana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Viana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Everybody and welcome to the RHAP BNB for the merge episode of a Survivor Edge of Extinction. My name is Mike Bloom. I am back, back, back again after a bit, bit of a, a vacation from the vacation of the BNB to talk through the merge episode, some extinction returnees, someone going to extinction, lots of going through revolving doors here on the BNB and on Survivor 38. Let's welcome in our panel this week. First, someone who did a fantastic job hosting last week. I have uh, been muttering nothing but peanut butter under my breath this entire week. Liana Boris. Liana, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for being back, Mike, so I can do less work, which is what really, truly my goal in life is. Uh, but I just want to say that, uh, like Jeff Probst said, we got an iconic moment this episode. Wonder Boy got his balls. <laughs> that is my headline for this episode. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. Fine. Like, I, I was subscribed to the Liana Boris newsletter, and I'll admit I was a little perturbed to see that be the, new, the main headline. But now I think it makes all sense, you know, given your typical nature. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's uh, not much other news to report. <laughs> well, I don't want to discount the guy who's been sitting in the corner dutifully and making us a flag for the BNB. Uh, some Betsy Ross realness going on here. He's got the paints out and he's ready to paint a picture of this episode and his thoughts on the season so far. Antonio Mazzaro, welcome back to the BNB. How you doing? How am I supposed to follow those nards? Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is great. I'm happy to be here. Um, I, I too, uh, was focused on the balls. I got to admit, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was a little awkward. Uh, I was also wondering about the poll. So there were a lot, that was a lot in play this episode for sure. I'm really happy to be here though. I'm thankful you guys uh, have had me to this B and B uh, and I will just sit here in the corner, uh, and just chime in from time to time. Such a quaint, uh, atmosphere here. Actually, so- uh, if you want, we have courtside seats just for oh, you man. antonio <laughs> you don't want to get you sit in the corner <laughs> yeah this is good courtside seats are better i'm up I, I i'm glad to have been upgraded is there a sponsor for this segment like when you go to a game and you see brought to you by mattress king the company that doesn't exist and is a front for the mafia <laughs> um let's see brought to you by uh friendship necklace idols <laughs> give one to your best friend <laughs> beef fry mine says beef fry on it yours can say s to ends yes well, exactly. well i think that actually you unlock the fact that all of our sponsors are friends for the mob so well, listen <laughs> we, were, we were we were hurting we were looking for some sort of sponsor we were able to find them granted they might not have the cleanest hands but you know what they have their hands regardless so i'm happy about that is it the fijian mob 
Mm. The B and B is actually just a front for the Fijian mob. Like you know, <laughs> not to spoil anything if the uh, FBI shows up, but that's kind of how it works. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Fijian Bureau of Inspections or Investigations, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. the Fijian Bula of Inspections. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, look, we are. Well, I'll admit we're money laundering because we don't necessarily launder anything else in the B and B. So you got to oh. launder something. Where did this flag come from? This is awkward. <laughs> exactly. I'm so happy you pointed out, by the way, Antonio, that Joe, I, I'm glad that you validated that I also heard that Joe called everyone nards. And I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to point it out just in case I missed something, but I'm glad you noticed that too. Oh, Wolfman's got nards for sure. 100%. <laughs> is Joe a member of the monster squad? <laughs> he must have been like, uh, I think oh, oh, I've seen him compared to Captain Jack Sparrow this week. So he's, he's a movie man for sure. Uh, I think I've seen some of those movies online, actually. Oh, exactly. He should go down the Michael Bolton route of starting with Jack Sparrow, then go what to Forrest Gump and then Tony Montana just to finish it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, Netflix special. Uh, it's, I, I don't know what it'll be called, but uh, maybe it can uh, just be about Joe living outdoors naked. Something like that. <laughs> my Netflix. Yeah, my Netflix. <laughs> Well, let's let's get into Survivor 38 and what we have sort of been uh, circling around. Ah, This merge episode, which led to Joey Amazing's uh, being sent, essentially taking Rick's place on the Edge of Extinction. And we'll certainly talk about those who left the Edge of Extinction, who came back, etc. But I feel like, you know, we have sort of building up been building up to this moment, both with the pre-merge proper and with all the stuff going on with Extinction. Antonio, now that we have sort of seen Extinction actually play out in that quote-unquote iconic moment that Liana slash Jeff were referencing. How are you feeling about the season so far? We're we're more than halfway through or about halfway through at this point. Looking ahead at where we're going to go from here in the next few weeks, both on and off the island, what are your thoughts? It's fine. It's about what I expected. I look. I, if you're going to be approaching the 40th season of a thing, the 40th iteration of a thing, you would rather they be trying different things. I think than not. I'm not sure that they fully understand, and that sometimes happens on Survivor, right? Where they introduce a concept and then they tweak it or they can it, and I'm not sure they fully understand uh, 100% when they get into some of these things uh, what it's going to result in TV wise. But I will say, if when, once we heard about this concept and I think we heard that they were going to be returning players and we heard one of them was Joe the idea was oh well this will protect Joe this is a great thing for Joe no matter when Joe gets voted out he'll go to this island and then he'll win his way back into the game and then even if uh, even if he gets voted out again if they present the opportunity to come back again he could easily win his way back in again so as far as this particular week it's about what I think anyone who looked at this on paper before the season probably expected at some point Joe was going to get voted out and go to go to the house uh liana <laughs> go mm-hmm. to the house uh go to the island go to the extinction uh and then the the season would really just rest on like when there's an opportunity to come back we're just waiting to see if joe gets back in the game and then builds fire uh and then finds his way to the end other than that like i, I just i i'm i'm not sure how now we will see this play out now that the the twist is out there now that the players know and now that the jury is the jury is the people that are on the uh, extinction. I'm not sure if we're going to see the game played differently, if we're going to see the show edited differently. So I am curious to see how the twist will play out from here now that it's fully out in the open. But as of now, it's been about what I expected. Liana, has anything changed for you since uh, this episode aired in terms of the twist or the way it's aired? Well, I think this was a really jam-packed episode, evident by the fact that we jump right into the challenge. No time for previously on. 
Uh, you, you know what happened. You've been watching for a while. Let's get into the main the main vein of it all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Careful with the main vein there, Mike. <laughs> Listen, I'm just I'm in honor of Chris Underwood yeah, he did losing out back. on the challenge. That's right. Uh, he, may, he may have gotten his balls, but the vein was just not quite there. Uh, okay, so I think that this episode had a lot of information. And we found out, okay, you know, the players found out that the Edge of Extinction Twist is in play. The players found out that the Edge of Extinction Twist is still in play. We got to see somebody return. We got to see what the jury is going to look like. So it feels like I'm still sort of processing every everything that's happening because now what was you know veiled previously has been revealed and so trying to make sense of now how this is going to work in terms of the game how is this going to change people's strategies you know we saw joe go out as the merge boot which is so funny because he's like oh the quintessential merge boot but i feel like recently the quintessential merge boot hasn't been going home we've seen people Mm -hmm. like elizabeth go home um or you know i don't know whoever the merge boot. i guess chris noble was a pretty uh iconic merge boot but um it just seems so funny to have Joe go. Now, and was then, he instantly course, iconic or do we have to wait a little while before he became iconic? That's a, that's a good point. I, I thought about trying to create a game around this, like iconic survivor moments. How long did it take for this moment to become iconic? <laughs> Just uh, now, actually. Yeah, right. Um, it also would have been great if Jeff Probst could have provided examples to help illustrate his point. I would have loved to have seen what Jeff Probst considers to be an iconic moment that took a long time to become iconic. Um... <laughs> Uh, anyway, okay, so <laughs> I was talking about other stuff, and it involved a lot being revealed, and there were points that I was making. So that's how I'm going to go ahead and end things because I can't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> so you just to finish with generalities, like in conclusion, if you remember from the past two minutes, I said some poignant things. I hope you all look back on them and remember them fondly. And I hope you really take them to heart and consider the things that I said when I was speaking previously. Thank y'all. I, I do. I do agree that I mean this episode had a lot to pack in it and i do think i mean i personally think that last week's double episode was definitely the highlight of the season for me so far Uh, i know we don't typically like one tribe losing over and over again pre-merge but the lesu dynamics in particular and it gets sort of segued into this episode but i found them completely fascinating and one of the most intriguing parts of that double episode just because there were only four of them and i think we pretty much got every configuration of two people except maybe lauren and david so i was really you know almost hoping they would go to tribal council because i would have no idea who went home so to go from that really you know the advantage is you get to spread out a couple storylines over those two hours and you benefit from the fact that they're sort of tied into each other that you have you know one tribe and manu going to tribal council both times you're able to really tell some lengthier stories there and cut to here there's a lot to get into those 42 minutes, especially the edge of extinction minutia of it all. And, you know, I'd been saying for weeks, OK, I'm liking this right now. Let's see what happens when the other shoe drops and we see actually people actually return. And now that we do. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that I think one of the things we enjoyed about it is that, you know, we got to see some really unique stuff, some really stripped down stuff. And I don't know if we're going to see that anymore. I think you bring up a good point, Liana, that what does post-merge extinction look like, especially since now we have three holdovers? You know, are they going to be the welcoming committee? Are we going to get more wound up Reem? Is Joe just going to buoy all of their moods? I'm not entirely sure. I guess with one merged tribe, now you don't have to cut between so much. So maybe we'll get more time in Extinction. I'm not entirely sure. I do think that the 
fact that they're on the jury and that they're going to, you know, now observe tribal council is interesting. I still don't know how to feel about it personally, because on the other hand, you have Reem and Aubrey on the jury, which is incredible. On the other hand, Reem's voting for somebody that she's probably, there's there's a good chance she just heard happenstance about them, that she never actually met them at any point of the game. And then there's also this question, which I know Rob and Randy talked about, about, okay, I guess, are they automatically guaranteed to be on the jury at this point? Like, if they quit, do they go to Ponderosa, or are they just going to be completely out of the game? From that perspective, could we have a jury of, like, six people if enough people quit by the end of it? I think what this episode did was answer some questions, but as a result, raise further questions right, from those answers. Right. Yeah, I don't think the show knows is my is what I was saying, and I I do think that that's the case, and that's fine to a point. Uh, it's can it can lead to bad results, it can lead to interesting results, it can lead to great results. Look, these guys know how to make this TV show, uh-huh. uh, and hopefully, what they were able to find in that big mess that you just described is something compelling. I think when they come up with these story twists or these uh, game innovations, as they, however they want to call them, they're thinking about how to make the best TV and what's the most compelling way. Uh, from an editing standpoint of the TV show, this is something they've not really had to comprehend, how to split this and devote time. It's just fascinating. So as far as a season of Survivor, it is anything but a normal season. And I think, like I said, if you're in season 38 of a thing or season 37 or wherever we're at at this point i'm so lost uh then the the b&b by the way there was like a weird forest on the way here what's up with that uh uh what yeah i well the directions i got um it's just really odd like uh i don't know it was very confusing how to get here uh and i i'm i'm just wondering like what i don't know uh, i was given some peyote on the way too so maybe that has something to do oh, with yeah, it that, but, that's that's our sort of like uh we have those yeah. like mints in the bowl yeah. at reception so <laughs> i think yeah, that's what i thought but this okay sorry uh but anyway yeah it is it's very confusing uh it's very so i i don't know what season it is i don't know where i am but i will say at the end of the day that it's just I'm not sure that they know either and if they don't know then could be great could be amazing and could be a train wreck and I think we're probably balanced right on the precipice of both uh, and it will be interesting to see I mean we could foresee we, obviously before the season started like I said you could foresee a scenario where Joe gets bounced at the merge or before makes his way to the island comes back in at five or wherever the, the, the comeback point is wins and the fire challenge and then is in the final three somehow having played very very little survivor. And I think that's the negative version of this season. Anything else is probably more interesting. If we have a juror come back in, having dealt with the people, Mike, you described a scenario where Reem could be questioning people having not really known them. But what about a scenario where Reem comes back into the game at five and is somehow in the final three? What is her case for why she should win the game? If Reem knew the people, even I think it would be a good question as to how she would handle her case as to how to run the game, because Right. Reem does not tiptoe. She elephant stomps around issues. Well, and it doesn't just have to be Reem. It could be Chris. I mean, everybody's calling him Wonder Boy and they don't want to see him in the game. They know that he's just like a physical specimen. But what do they really know about his gameplay or him? So the relationships that are being built on Extinction Island, because you're with the jury, whoever comes back in from Extinction like is going to be in a decent position because they're going to know the jurors pretty well. So the, a lot of the social game that the possible winner is playing is being played there instead of in the main game. Uh, so there are fascinating possibilities. And I'm just not sure they going to know how to present that on TV. I guess we will see in the weeks to come. 
Hmm. I think that there are also so many different permutations of how this could go. I mean, that's what Survivor is, right? It's this open sandbox game. And theoretically, you could have all of these different outcomes. But now, since you've essentially introduced a whole second game where you right. have now this group of people that are off on a different island that could have their own social dynamics, they could have their own issues that are going on out there. Then how does that in relate to the regular game when you're going to have people returning and these people are being the jurors, you know, like, let's say, for example, you have someone who goes to Extinction Island and like that person was best friends with someone in the game but that person on Extinction Island gets beat up by everybody there so then in return because of that like scapegoat person essentially the person who's remaining in the game doesn't get vote for you know what I mean like it just because there are now so many other ways that people can interact it the the number of interactions and permutations of how things could go really just like increases exponentially and so when you're trying to think to how to present this in a cohesive narrative, it becomes very difficult because now you're trying to track all of these different storylines and all of these different interactions and how that represents what happened on the episode, which is kind of a little bit what happened with Kelly with the whole um, targeting Devons type thing. Like Mm. she, Kelly actually tweeted out her confessional where you can see it's very spliced together. The one about, oh, I didn't want to see of all the people, Rick Devons. Like she never actually said that, but that was because the editors needed to tell this cohesive narrative to show why they were targeting Devons. Um, so anyway, so it just it, it might make things a little discombobulating, but we'll we'll see how it gets handled. Yeah, let me I, ask I, you this. Oh, go ahead, um, Mike. I was just going to say now that we know that there will be a second returnee, and it will probably theoretically be later down the line. Is this season better or worse or TBD if the person who wins the game comes from extinction? Oh, God, I don't I, know. I mean, I would say I'm still going to put in TBD because it does seem like I think our, our conversation to give a Liana a summary is sort of like we are sort of on the edge of a really interesting situation right now where I oh, you almost said edge of extinction. Yeah, uh, where it does feel no, definitely not with the show. But in terms of the TBD of it all, it really does feel like you bring up great points about how I still feel like there is a game being played on extinction because someone is inevitably going to come back. And I feel like that's a little bit different than something like Big Brother where, you know, oh, you're going to the jury house and oh, somebody's coming back onto the show. You know, these people are still veritably in the game even if they're sort of in this purgatorial state as Rick kept attributing it to this entire episode. And so I do feel like if someone does win, is it going to be weird? Absolutely. But this season is weird. I I actually am pretty, you know, sympathetic to the editors. I know they do weird Frankenbite stuff like what you were saying, Liana, that really, really sticks out in terms of warping someone's words to fit a certain narrative. But I mean, I just need to look at the facts that this episode, they still had all 18 cast members in it. And so I think, you know, I can understand people's complaints about the way people are getting certain airtime. But if you look at this episode, David and War Dog, two of the biggest characters pre-merged, I don't think they got any confessionals. So I feel like this season, much more so even than the previous 37 seasons, because there is so much going on and there are still so many people left in the game, it's really going to become a matter of, hey, if you're important to this week's storyline, we'll give you some airtime. But otherwise, you know, you'll sort of be a background player, but that's okay because everyone's sort of going to get their time in the sunlight, assuming that, you know, everyone's going to be pertinent to the main storyline of the season. Yeah, I'm all for breaking Etchik. I don't know if this is something that makes it more or less obvious, <laughs> but let's change the narrative. I'm, I'm all for that. If we have to build a second game up to do it, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, it really is changing 
it's changing the game. I'm more game changing than game changers. <laughs> um, I, I think going back to if somebody comes back from the edge of extinction and wins, I don't know why in my mind, like that seems less egregious than somebody coming back from Redemption Island. I don't know why, <laughs> but for some reason it feels that way. Maybe it's because we're still sort of getting a semblance of camp life over on uh, the edge of extinction. And so it feels more like traditional survivor, but but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how this whole hodgepodge two game nonsense plays out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, let's talk about the man who very recently went from one game to the other in our merge boot of Joey Amazing. And let's go to our preseason predictions about how we each felt Joe was going to do preseason. Now, Liana, like Antonio said, I feel like when the theme and cast were announced, a lot of people were saying, well, Joe, this is going to be one of, you know, Joe's seasons to win. I believe both Rob and Josh picked him as their winner pick. What were your thoughts on how he would do during the main game? Discounting since that's another TBD, how he'll do on the actual Edge of Extinction. Yes. Okay. So this is what I wrote for Joe in the for main game. Um, I had Joe as pre-jury. And Ooh. this is what I wrote. Because threat. Golden boy. Come on. And that's, that's all it. you wrote? <laughs> I founded it on this one. Oh, boy. <laughs> You're welcome. And that was all I wrote. Listen, I don't know. Brevity is the soul of wit, so you might end up still winning here. <laughs> it's possible. We'll see. Uh, so I had Joe making the jury. I said that Joe will draw the eye of all the women and men of comma, uh, particularly Victoria and Ron, albeit for different reasons. I said he'll be involved in the in helicopter shots between all the yoga poses and meditative stances he'll get into parentheses think sexy coach and I said at the merge he gets picked off almost immediately because people fear what he can do Sorry I just want to I just want to say real quick uh this idea of sexy coach reminds me of those Halloween costumes where it's like sexy police officer <laughs> and like you know sexy judge and it's sexy coach but instead of like a coach you know it's coach yeah. but it's like sexy coach <laughs> I thought you wanted me to think of Craig T Nelson so <laughs> That is that is weird the on both quintessential ends. sexy coach. Uh, yeah, but now I'm thinking of Craig T. Nelson in a sexy Halloween coach outfit. This exactly. Oh, my boy. time at this. I'm glad I'm getting through the forest. This is fantastic. I think the mints are really hitting you right now, Antonio. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, I, I love this idea because now it's totally reminding me of uh, Aubrey's very contrived black cat witch metaphor. We're getting very Halloweeny on Survivor as of late. Mm-hmm. this is good sexy coach yeah uh, so that was it for your prediction Mike yeah, yes it was not listen I did not go with uh, Liana's three words and that was it but that, that was those <sighs> were my thoughts and I'm sticking to them I had six words thank you very much 
I don't know. This is this is very difficult. I I, had, I knew I, this was going to be my task uh, when I came into this uh, B&B. And I thought to myself, since this was such an obvious merge boot or such an obvious call on Joe uh, being an easy boot here, that I would probably go with the person who was more creative. <laughs> but I'm not sure uh, that uh, I'm not sure how to judge creativity at this point, because the, the six words is pretty creative. Uh, you Mike said uh, that he would make the jury and Liana you said pre-jury that is correct I think we're gonna have to go with Mike because technically I guess Joe did make the jury that is yeah that's true although if he was pre-jury he also would have made the jury so <laughs> fair point. that's a fair point <laughs> I thought about that the other day I was listening to an older episode uh, a while ago and there was a there was a, a bit about Wendy not making the jury and I thought hmm I guess Wendy could have made the jury yeah. uh, if she just would have stuck around yeah we really gotta change it to merge pre-merge I guess now yeah. uh, oh my gosh. To, to clarify. So I actually I also had written predictions for how people were going to do on the edge of extinction. So if oh, I yeah, yeah, written, let, let's let's do that. Actually, do you, do you want to because I did that as well. Do you want to talk about how you wrote Keith and when he would do on the edge? Yeah, so I, mine were really short, um, but not a sh- actually they're longer than what I wrote for my Joe prediction. But uh, <laughs> uh, OK, so yeah, so I'll read. OK, so Keith technically would have went out first. I think. <laughs> I yeah, guess, guess, I guess if we're going with the logic the of like, they both raise the mass and we're not going by like whose hand touched the rope first. I guess it's because Keith was voted out before Wendy. He technically right. has the 18th place moniker. He technically is the first one out. And I can't wait to hear Josh's interview with him. No, I guess he did do a written interview with him. So I guess we technically have a written foo episode out already. Okay. Oh yeah, Keith, the first one, first one out. Oh wow! <laughs> it took seven episodes, yeah. but we finally got here. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's what here's what I have for Keith. Um, tries to stay the entire time through the power of prayer. Bonds with Joe. Eventually quits. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote a decides to quit on Extinction Island as he does not fare in the blistering cold and wet. Uh cold yeah okay all right yeah, so, uh, so i think we i think we both did not have high hopes for keith no poor sweet baby keith okay and then for wendy i had uh in need of new blue hair dye and a good old-fashioned meat swap <laughs> wendy quits <laughs> a, a exile island before the first challenge to re-enter the game oh uh, i love that you ironically i know it was the meat swap because everyone was confused when she we, everyone sort of misheard her saying swap meat much like nards but the irony that the newfound vegetarian would leave to go to a meat swap is fantastic. Yeah. Nailed it. And eat her cheeseburger. <laughs> I, I wrote that Wendy hangs tough in the extinction challenge but loses out. So that was my sort of Leon answer. <laughs> I was going to say, but like, okay. <laughs> so she stayed the entire time. Yeah, basically that was my thing. Because I, yeah, I mean, okay. I thought she would, but yeah. Yeah, those were such interesting circumstances. I actually... I was not the biggest fan of Wendy. Maybe as a character, I she was interesting as a character, maybe not so much as a player, but my heart did kind of go out for her that in this extremely pressurized moment of the game where she was nearly at the top, nearly returned, there was a lot of, you know, Tourette's going on that you could argue, depending on the edit, might have cost her things. Maybe that's one reason why she decided to leave as well. She kept harping on the fact that, oh, I had my full experience. I don't want to go back to Extinction and possibly ruin it. But I, I did feel bad for Wendy during that challenge because it did seem like that ended up being uh, one of her downfalls in that challenge. 
I thought she handled it pretty well. She's pretty tough, Big Wendy. Uh, she, I, I think she knows how to live the life uh, that she lives uh, and, and face whatever challenges that she, she has. And Survivor was an entirely different kind of challenge for her. And I think her social game was probably a little better than it was led on to be because she let the chickens go and didn't seem to be like the great villain who immediately had to go uh, and seemed to be pretty well liked by everybody and seemed to be a pretty positive person. So I thought she handled it pretty well. She's pretty inspiring. And it was, I'm glad she did as well as she did in that challenge. I don't know uh, what ultimately was her downfall, but what do you make uh, either of you? What do you make of the buyer's remorse? Uh, How in the moment, uh, both Wendy and Keith were ready to go back. And then once they got back and faced with the the task of sitting back on the other Island, uh, they raised the flag. What do you think changed? Liana, actually, I'm curious from your standpoint, what you think changed uh, when they got there? Well, this is like when the idea of something is, uh, you know, you're like, you love the idea of something, but then when it's the reality of it, you're like, yeah, no, not that. I don't want that. Um, I think that that's probably what happened. You know, you just have all this adrenaline. You just went through this challenge. You get close, especially for Wendy. Um, you know, you, yeah, of course you want to go stay in the game and then you get another opportunity to come back and then you get out there your shitty island, your shitty shelter, just like the reality of everything sits in, the adrenaline has worn off and I'm sure, you know, having another person there, I mean we saw two of them quit together, Keith and Wendy and I think the fact that you have the two of them kind of playing off each other, if it was just one, I think, and you have everybody else saying no, 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 we're going to stay, we're going to stay, you might not see a quit, but when you have two I think really then you're going to see that happen. Yeah, I just because I think they sort of like feed into each other. I don't know exactly what the conversation was when they came back from extinction, but I'm sure they were each thinking like, I really want to leave. And then I feel like one person vocalized it and the other person's like, yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. I really have no qualms with what they did because also, I mean, you have to feel like there's also something where they came back and they said, okay, there's going to be another challenge to get back there. And then you look at Chris and then you look at those, you know, uh, 13 people left in the game and you say, there's a very, very good chance it's not going to be me. And I would not say that they quit given the constructs of Edge of Extinction this season, but I'll use the adage, you sort of quit while you're ahead. In a manner of speaking, and that's sort of what Wendy was thinking of. Oh, you know, I had this really great experience. I had a good time. I I spent like a day out on the beach. It was so interesting hearing all of most of their tearful talks to Jeff after the challenge about how much this meant to them. And Wendy's just like, I just want to congratulate you guys. It seems like you had a really tough time. I was I was fine. But you all seem like you went through hell here. I could understand why they were like, well, it's. I would put myself in for a very, very crappy time that might forever traumatize my survivor experience and only to face a very slim possibility of actually coming back you know what i'm good and i know i'm sort of talking out of both sides of my mouth here but i also give huge commendations to reem for spending the vast majority of her game out there with really no end in sight but i really you know i i don't have a problem with basically anything any of these extinction players did this episode given some of the logic that's going to be going on here I definitely don't have a problem with it either. And I would hope that I'm sure there's some segment of the fandom that's like, how could you walk away when you had your opportunity? But it's, I, I'm not inside their heads and I certainly don't feel that way. And I think there's a, 
I think there's a self-realization that uh, is important to pull from your survivor experience that I hope, uh, just listening to former players, I hope these two maybe reach that self-realization. Uh, that was what was a little bit alluded to in their confessionals. Uh, Wendy basically saying, I had everything. Like, I had the full survivor story here, so I'm good. Uh, and so hopefully they walk, they both walk away heads held high with without regret and feeling like they went out on their terms uh, instead of something where where they're going to think about it or worry they did something wrong or, or guess what you think what what they could have done differently they had the opportunity to stay in they chose to leave on their own accord and their own and their own note and i hope for both of them that it's a positive emotional experience at the end of the day well and i think it's really hard also to to truly convey the starvation and the pure exhaustion and crappy conditions that are going on. You know, they can show the shelter and it in its dire conditions, but to really show that, you know, they haven't eaten in so long. Like I, I'm trying to remember that and empathize like that must really, really suck. And when you're thinking about the whole quit while you're ahead thing, it totally makes sense. So yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. It's, it's, it, it's hard when, you know it's like oh it's a quit because it doesn't exactly feel like a quit in the same way i don't know what word i want to use but um i can i can understand where their decisions came from they just resigned like they withdrew from the game they they knocked their king over and said i'm beat like this is it you know i i can't win this and i do do you either of you know are they going to ponderosa at this point do they go on like a pre-jury trip like what happens maybe that's the other thing as well they're like hey you know what i want to go to australia and i'll go on on vacation with me and keith and a bunch of handlers so yeah i guess I because I, I guess if if our Ponderosa, assuming that anyone who quits who still raises the the sale at this point ends up leaving the game, maybe they go back to Ponderosa because I That's guess because I, I guess technically our Ponderosa is Extinction Island right now. Right. And oh, it will yeah. be probably for the rest of the game until somebody is officially gone from the game, at which point I don't think they send them home and I don't think they send them off on individual trips. So we've got to be keeping them somewhere. So maybe Wendy and Keith were told like, hey, listen, if you walk away now, maybe they were all told you walk away now, we're putting you in the house like you can go to the house finally. And this is where you're going to go. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe they just were like, let's go to the house. I just want to go to the house <laughs> like where we'll go to the house. If anyone else shows up, that's great. They're basically subletting ponderosa right now until right, yeah. until the second returning and everyone <laughs> else there right kato kaylin <laughs> erica's house guest oh my god if they ever do punishments on survivor <laughs> they can consider <laughs> flying out one kato kaylin him and joe del campo hanging out together it'd be lovely oh my gosh poor aubrey <laughs> well let's get into uh some of our typical questions now we just had a lot of big discussions but antonio i'll, I'll throw it to you for formality's sake was there anything specifically you wanted to talk about with this episode additionally before we get into our typical fare this episode No, my big thing was just that when you slotted this episode from the beginning of the season, you just knew that uh, Joe was going to be a massive target, like Liana said so succinctly. Uh, And it was just a matter of when, not if. And I was a little disappointed to see Mm -hmm. 
that he didn't really do much according to the edit to mitigate this and according to what Rick said. So it was a little bit of a disappointment to see on Joe's own boot episode that he really just didn't play the game in a certain type of way. Um, it was funny because this was one of the times I've liked Joe the most somehow uh, on this episode and felt the worst for him uh, because I just felt like he was alone out there and he seemed like he was just sitting there calmly painting the flag and hoping that the game would come to him and it just never did. So I feel bad. I guess I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving myself room to not feel bad in weeks time when he comes back and wins and then builds a fire and sits there at the final three. Uh, but this, uh, this cast is out for blood. I don't think anybody was uh, ready for the Joe warship. And those, uh, those six are pretty, they're pretty ruthless. So it's, it's pretty fun to watch on that level. The Joe warship. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just also now picturing like Joe in, you, you know, the like romance novel covers and he's like on front of the ship and it's like the Joe warship. I don't know yes. why that popped into my head, but yes. Well, war dog is on the warship and it's Fabi Joe. Yeah. yeah this actually, is great. Bobby speaking, Joe. speaking of which, oh my God, I love Fabi Joe. Oh, how, did take, how did it take us like my favorite four, four years to like get onto that? Speaking of war dog. So we were talking about the flag. I don't know if you guys have seen for the episode eight for the next week's episode, the, the press, some of the press photos have been released and we get a close up of the flag. And you know how everyone paints their initials on it to be like, yes, I was here. These are my initials to signify it. Uh, mm-hmm. War Dog just put a W on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think War Dog is officially trying to do the share thing. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah, he just has one name and it's War Dog and he refers to himself in the third person as War Dog. W-T-U. I mean, ironically enough, I don't think he got much W's uh, in the course of the pre-merge, but I just love that everyone wrote their initials with just one little W in the middle of it. To be, yeah. yeah. We had a president who went by W and he too was a War Dog. W. Yeah, what is War Dog's last name? I don't know. De Silva. He d- I, no. I thought it was dog. No, he doesn't. Oh, war dog. WD. Yeah. No, I think yeah. it's. No, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's one word. I, yeah, I guess he just doesn't have a last name. Uh, is that legal? Is that what's on his birth certificate? I'd like to know. You mean his uh, his dog tags? Yeah, I don't know. This is a, his registration. Um, no, war dog. Just W. 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 Love it. All right, well, let's get into... This might be... I'll set this up here. This might be the weirdest game we've ever done on the B&B. This this is a bit of a stretch when it comes to Survivor. But you know what? This is a a weird season. It's time to do some weird games around the subject. So we got a game idea from the great Corey B. Prolific Wandoffer Corey B. Uh, So I don't know if you guys noticed this, but this past week... Jeff Probst had tweeted something in favor of a, a new game called, I think it's called Throw Throw Burrito. Uh, it's from the guys from the Oatmeal who I yeah. think did like exploding kittens uh, and all that. So he came up with this idea that in honor of this game, which involves throwing toy burritos, maybe, and he also in this tweet sort of compared throwing a toy burrito to a survivor challenge. Maybe what we can do is put on our John Kierhofer hats slash our craft services hats. And see if if any of these past challenges in this season, or maybe in any other season, why not? If you can substitute any challenge prop with some food items of choice, 
and see how that would play out. We're sort of going a bit like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs of it all when they built a bunch of stuff out of the stuff that rained down from the sky. This is a bit in honor of Haley Strong and her lovable snack chat every week. So, yeah, I call this uh, Survivor Substitutions, where we're essentially going to sub in certain parts of a challenge with a piece of food. <laughs> This is so weird. Yeah. Okay. Michael's very excited about this idea. So I'm excited that he's excited. So are we going to, are we going to go, are you going to like read us the description? Cause to be honest, I only remember handfuls of the challenges. Are you going to mm-hmm. read us like descriptions of some of the challenges and then we can kind of like go through it or how is yeah. this going to work? Okay. Yeah. So I, I'll, we'll start with the most recent challenge. Cause I think that's sort of like at the forefront of our minds. Uh, and then I can sort of read through a couple of other challenges and some of my thoughts and of course we had to benefit from the fact that Antonio you are part of the panel uh, myself included that dissected this season of Top Chef for the past you know few months or so so I have to imagine you still have high quality cuisine on the brain no? I also like food yeah so this is good I just think about food I mean I think about this is a question I think about on my own anyway like what if food replaced that item I think about that while I'm driving this is good (laughs) this is like a common theme in daily life Life. Yeah. What if that stop sign was made out of a fruit roll-up? This would be great. Ah, I do love fruit roll-ups. There's something I mean, so good and synthetic about them. They're lovely. I would probably stop. So <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you'd peel off the letters so that it would just say like I don't know P by the end of the day, and you have to replace them every time. <laughs> boy, what a problem that would be. Oh boy, municipal headache. Yeah, just first, replace the fruit roll-up. First world problem is when your stop sign yeah. keeps getting eaten by people. <laughs> I would love to see the budget outline. Uh, yeah, we're going to need $20,000 for fruit roll-ups to replace all the stop signs. <laughs> what? We don't need a crossing guard anymore, though, so we save on health care <laughs> because true. the kids stop and peel the letters off the sign and the cars notice That's that. true. You can't drive by and peel it off. So maybe, maybe right. that's where we can sort of change the game when it comes to traffic signals. Give them a reason to stop and they'll be able to mm-hmm. sort of police themselves. I'm just saying. Yep. Well, All and right. with the school lunches, if now you're providing food through stop signs, you can save money <laughs> that way. So, and we all know Water fruit roll-ups so- count as a vegetable. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I, I can't have lunch today. I filled up on speed bumps on the way here. <laughs> That's a different thing, Mike. (laughs) What are you talking about? Cocaine. Let's start with our most recent challenge here. Very classic Survivor Endurance Challenge, the the Boom Mic Challenge, where uh, in our first individual immunity challenge, everyone had to hold a big pole over their head with an idol balanced at the end of it. The first thing I want to throw out there, pretty easy substitutions. Instead of a big pole, why not a giant breadstick? Mm. I was thinking pretzel rod, like a, mm. like a rolled gold pretzel rod. But yeah, this uh, the problem with any of this, and I, I mean, I don't want to just defeat the game here, but these people are starving. So if you replace the pole with a breadstick or a pretzel rod, you actually are in an interesting place where people have to decide if they want to eat or play, which is always something we want to <laughs> see you, on Do you show. play or do you eat what you play? <laughs> Exactly. And the more you eat off your breadstick, the harder it becomes to balance. That is okay. I'm all in on this game now. Okay. So that's exactly what it is. Everything like things are made out of food and you can choose if you want to eat your food items. So the throwing sandbags, for example, they're apples or something less, I don't know, chocolate or whatever. You can eat your little chocolate bags or you can throw them. But if you eat them, you have less to throw to win. So it's all these tricks 
trade-offs that you're making. Yeah, you've got a rogue team member who's very hungry and sees that stuffed ravioli bag or whatever it is yeah. and just goes ham. Get them back eating. Just starts hammering them. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are you doing? <laughs> on the plus side. Devin's is letting his team down. Yeah. Although, on the plus side, I will say, if you're trying to, like, untie the knots and they're made out of, like, tied-up Twizzlers, you just... Yeah, like nom, nom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just, like, gnaw through the licorice. Eat your way through it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. It really gives a different term to, like, somebody tearing through those knots. <laughs> yeah, nothing's stopping them from doing that with the actual rope, by the way. What, eating it? Yeah, why well, just gnawing through it? Just go for it. You know, use your teeth. Mm. Come on. Yeah, I uh, I feel like untying would probably be faster if they were actual knots, but you know, yeah, I'm, I'm only a scientist. Okay, That's so <laughs> I think uh, going back to the challenge you're talking about. So I like the idea of I think because the problem with the breadsticks is if it's so because it's got to be really long, right? So I think you need something that's a little bit more rigid. So like the pretzel would be good, and then to balance on the end since they were little statues, I think those chocolate. Um, like they have chocolate Santas or like Easter bunnies, mm. like the things that are chocolate, but they're made into molds of characters. I think that would be a perfect thing to balance on the end. Mm. Are we afraid that W will choke on a pretzel rod if he has to hold it? <laughs> <laughs> I love that we've made War Dog into George <laughs> I'm all here. I'm here for this for the rest of the season. Yeah, I have to go back and listen to how he pronounces certain words just, just to really make the comparison clear. <laughs> fool, me, fool me twice, uh, can't get fooled again. <laughs> that, that actually sounds like War Dog. <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking the exact same thing though, Liana, of like a chocolate mold of, I don't know, some sort of uh, idol or something, even though it, does that sort of put a time limit on the challenge as well? Uh, you, oh, good point. Like, melts, yeah. by the time your chocolate melts, uh, do you then go to a tiebreaker round if there are still people holding their pretzel rod aloft? What if the base that you were standing on was jello? <laughs> That becomes like a production issue. I think of like making sure that it's, oh my God, you know what you could have? You know how, um, so cornstarch and water is a non-Newtonian fluid. I mean, then it's, it's sheer thickening. So when you apply a force to it, it becomes solid. So I don't know if you guys have seen those videos where people like run across like these tubs of cornstarch and water, because if you stand still, you're going to sink into it. But if you run across it, you, they are solid. And that's totally what you could have. Not maybe in this challenge, but in some challenge where you have to like run quickly across it. That would be super cool. You might have actually like developed a thing that's workable off of this insane idea. <laughs> this is science at work. I will say though, probably people will not want to eat it, which I think really defeats the purpose. <laughs> I don't know. When you're starving on Survivor, I think you take cornstarch and water like it's a steak dinner. That's true. <laughs> um, I just have this mental image of somebody holding the pretzel roll on top of their head, but trying to tilt their head up to like get a bite like right in the middle while they're balancing. I think that or would just be lovely. Lick the salt like a deer. Yes, yeah, like a salt lick. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. So next uh, one. I want to go back to the very first challenge. So for those of you that might not remember, uh, that's the one where Manu had a really hard time crossing that like three tier balance beam and someone had to get across it to like untie the knot so that they unfolded and then everyone could get across. So I think from now on, survivors should make all balance beams out of baguettes. Because if you're talking about like from a uh, texture angle, I feel like it's solid enough that you can, you know, walk across it without it bending too much. And it has the ability to really be cut open and fold over to have people run across for an easier time. 
<laughs> yeah, I wish you would have seen my face when you said a baguette was solid enough to hold human weight. <laughs> I mean, who's baking that baguette? Like they would not make it through episode one of the Bake Off. This is uh, it's not a good baguette, uh, but it would be a huge baguette uh, if it was having to to cover a gap like that. But you're right. Like you, I was thinking something bread based for sure on that uh, on that on that something that you could fold open like that. Uh, I just don't know again with Liana with the breadstick, like I, you, you have to be, I don't know, maybe, maybe I, I was, I was also, is this, is there water in this challenge or no? No, no this, this was there over the big net that Kelly right. Wilmworth almost busted her head open on. And I guess the net would have to be made of something food based too. Yeah, uh, you, I guess this is, you could like weave it out of spaghetti or something. Yeah. I, or like, or like uh, cheese sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cheese sticks. Oh, like this, like string cheese. When you like yeah, pull it apart, yeah. you make all the little yeah. strings and you like weave them all back together. That sounds like a fun job for production: just peeling thousands of cheese sticks and weaving them into a net that would melt in ten seconds. Oh, I think that would be a liability because Kelly Wendler would fall right through a big old hole that someone ate in the cheese stick net. <laughs> now, now I know that this is all totally feasible, but I think one yep. of the limitations of these food-based just the a one minor limitation we might have to contend with is the fact that I feel like most foods are structurally weak, right? I mean, this goes back to the whole baguette situation or really creating, you know, a strong enough spaghetti net <laughs> to hold people. Um, so, you know, maybe potentially you could like reinforce the food balance beam, you know, then that way you could still use, cause I like the idea of the texture of the bread, like having to try to grip it with your fingers. <laughs> Ew, can you imagine trying to eat that after someone walked on it? Gross. <laughs> I, the thing is though, I really like that this would present the player where they have to actually think about that. Like, well, somebody walked on it, but I'm very hungry, so I may as well try to do this. Uh, I, I like that it would present with that quandary. I mean, we've seen the gross, like, we've seen food as an actual part of challenges on Survivor mm-hmm. before, right? With the hands behind the back and rip off a big chunk of meat uh, and who can pile up the most meat or catch the most fish or whatever it is. Food has been a part of these challenges. It just hasn't been part in a way like this. So I think there's uh, there's room for it. What if, uh, in like a bucket of water over your head challenge, it was nacho cheese or something <gasps> like that. And if you chose to do it, you would dunk yourself and cho- it could be chocolate, chocolate sauce. Oh, like, no, or or to- what if you wore like a suit made of nacho chips or no, what if, what if you, what if what happened was, you know, <laughs> that challenge suit. where you uh, have to stack something. What if you have to build a house of nachos and you're holding a bucket of, of nacho sauce above it. And so like you can risk it spilling all over and disintegrating them. So you have to start all over again, but you get to eat whatever you spill. So it's a, it's kind of a 50, 50 thing. What if uh, on the ocean challenges, the ocean was creamed corn, <laughs> like the whole ocean. Yeah, like the whole, well, just wherever they were, they just uh, created a creamed corn area where it's like sink or swim. Like, I'm not diving down for that buoy again. I'm just going to eat creamed corn. It's gross, but I'm hungry. So so, so, so just to outline what you're suggesting, you're suggesting that Survivor create a man-made lake made yes. of creamed corn for all their water challenges. <laughs> Doable. Look, I'm just going with the, the rules of the question that was posed to me. Right? <laughs> I want to I move on to actually the next challenge. This is the, inf- this is the infamous 400 pound snake challenge. Uh, so, Liana, do you have any ideas? What's, what's a good snake substitute that we can utilize? We, we talked through a couple of, you know, uh, lengthier foods. Is there any other that you would throw out there to substitute in for our snake? 
snake. Yeah, you need like a lengthy, girthy food item. My uh, my first thought was the, those like, I don't know if Subway still has them. Do you guys remember when Subway had those really long party subs you could like buy like a four foot, three foot long, whatever sandwich. And it was like the whole sandwich. It was really wide. I just remember seeing those. So Superheroes. that's what I would pick. I would pick those like really super giant Subway sandwiches because I didn't know if the snake, you know, because you could do like different items that are sort of all like connected together but I was trying to think of one giant item that could be like the big snake although they did drag it through water you know as soon as that bread which if it's subway bread it will disintegrate as soon as it hits the water uh, that sandwich is not long for this world well, maybe what they can do is they weigh the sandwich at the beginning and at the end of the challenge, and whoever lost more from the sandwich loses. Right. And then also, again, if you eat the sandwich, that takes away from the weight. You could also do, like, a really large sausage. Because <laughs> that would be heavy, too, because it's dense. It's, like, packed with, you know, ground meat in a casing. And then you got to, like, lug it around. <laughs> Oh, the mental images. I was going to say that no wonder why Manu kept losing challenges. They had a big old sausage to lug around yeah. in addition to the snake. I do like the, if they did like that hot pursuit challenge where everyone is tied together and they have to chase each other around that ring. Time together with sausage links that they have to carry around. Hmm. The, the, I like that. Yeah, because the thing is, is like I guess if you can, you if, can we put food in bags? Because I think then that would make, because you could have like a whole bag of almonds, you know, or like M&M's or Skittles or something. Yeah, you, you. I think you definitely can. Or like I said, there are certain like uh, those like, I don't know, I don't 100% know what they're called. Maybe it's like Fiocchi, but there's like these purse pastas that are like purse ravioli types that are that are sealed that look exactly like the bags that are thrown. Mm. Uh, so that could be just like giant ravioli or, or, or purse pastas. Um, for the snake, though, couldn't you do a big gummy snake like uh, <laughs> like you can buy like the 20 pound yeah. gummy snake? I, you just make a bigger gummy snake uh, and that would be really gross, too, I think at the end of the day it's so sticky and covered with so yeah. many so much sand yeah. by the end of it it was like yeah water and sand and it was hot and it had been dragged up and down i think people would probably still try to eat it but they would probably maybe try to cut the top layer off with a dull knife this is just a it, riveting television <laughs> well and i think the, the end of that challenge remember that was the uh, the throwing the rings part that keith had trouble with so what if instead of throwing rings you threw like onion rings and that's mm-hmm. another decision you have to make right of like how many do you eat because that gives you less to throw Exactly. Yes. See, I like it when by eating the food, you are impeding your ability to complete the challenge because I feel like if, you know, with the snake, it would be hard because what it, well, I don't know. If you ate a bunch of gummy snake, like, yeah, it's less weight to lift, but then you feel like crap because you just ate a bunch of gummy snakes. So maybe it wouldn't be so bad. But on the like chasing challenge, like, I would just eat whatever was in that, those bags that I was having to carry. So the onion rings is a great one because you have less to throw. So, you know, it's going to be harder for you to hit those at the end. And then also, what if you eat all of your rings and you don't have enough because then you have to hit like one for each? Is that the one where it yeah. like tilts over and then yeah, you like you physically cannot complete the challenge. You ate all your onion rings. <laughs> Another challenge that I want to talk about uh, was the brand new one for this season where you had people uh, paddle or like uh, drag a boat out. And this was the one where Manu completely fell apart on the ship's wheel puzzle. I was thinking instead of a ship's wheel puzzle, break up one of those giant wagon wheel pasta pieces and reconstruct mm. a wheel that way. 
That sounds delicious. I even dried pasta. They could just throw it in the hot ocean and with the salt water. <laughs> the oh, hot so cream good. corn ocean. <laughs> the hot cream corn ocean. Oh man, nothing says loving like dry wagon wheel broken pasta and cream corn, baby. <laughs> I'm like, how hungry would I have to be? I would probably ch- survive. Yeah, hungry. exactly. That's why it works. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that would be good. I mean, you could do any like things that kind of fit together oh my god can you imagine if you took like a ramen packet you know it like makes those mm. bricks yeah. break, break it up and then have them try to put it back together well, no, that's, that's like and remember the big buoy puzzle that lesu was able to catch up on where it's like there's only five pieces but they go together a certain way to make a pyramid you could do that with pieces of ramen yeah oh my gosh rebuild a ramen brick i think that's like a prison challenge uh <laughs> to take a break and unbreak it like this is uh not something that uh they need to really translate to survivor how dare you that's a brilliant <laughs> idea john kirhoff around the phone we got some ideas <laughs> i know that there was one challenge where they had to run up and down a frames which got very difficult due to the rain do we have any thoughts about giant triangular foods that we can put in place of these a frames oh, giant triangular foods uh, maybe like a nice giant. big slice of hard cheese yeah like a big wedge of like parmesan or something like a rind or yeah some some giant segment of a a cheese wheel that would get super slick with the rain though i would think well i think that's what you i think you kind of want that too yeah good point i think it makes yeah exactly it makes it challenging so i don't know you could coat you know whatever you're going to coat it with if the cheese itself gets super slippery you know you can always like throw a little olive oil and salt on there and like you know (laughs) really tempt them to eat it oh my gosh like um okay well you know the uh like mozzarella tomato basil those i don't remember what they're called yeah Yeah. so that would be a really good food to eat and i'm realizing that that actually has nothing to do with any of the challenges and it's just a food i want to eat right now so i don't know what you do is you combine the baguette balance beam with Mm. the tomatoes that you throw at the targets combined with the cheese that you run up and down in this a-frame challenge and you have a perfect survivor dish that sounds so good Uh I'm here for this. Um, yeah, I, I think that this is, I think these are all really great ideas. I think, again, you're going to have the issue with the structure, but I think you can potentially work around that. I think you're probably going to have also a lot of, you know, Survivor has a lot of like rod ball challenges. So trying to vary that up might get a little challenging, but, um, but I think if you could like put, um, you know, I don't know. Like, there's like a ton of fruit on the island. Like, can you imagine trying to balance some apples on, you know, a flat slice of uh, steak? I don't know. That's like a thing that could be. <laughs> if it's like cooked well done, like Joe wants steak. Yeah. Mm, the delicious combo of apples and a flat mm. slice of steak. Well, because we have a lot of pasta, we have a lot of carbs. You know, I'm trying to give the survivors a balanced meal. Sure, get some protein yeah, in exactly. there. exactly. Well, that could be some, instead some of like, protein. you know how they like to like crash through the sand? Sometimes they can, they can like oh, crash yeah. through a nice, a nice salad or something. Mm, that's right. Yeah, I we, always, need some, we need to get some greens in there. Yeah, because, you know, we don't want anyone to get scurvy, so let's make sure they're eating a well-balanced diet. Okay, so that was really weird, but I'm totally here for it. Let's move into... I think think we stumbled upon, like, an actually pretty good way to uh, formulate decisions within the game of Survivor. Really give them the choice each time to either make the challenge easier for themselves and stave off 
food or to indulge and as a result make things more difficult. It's a pretty classic survivor choice that I think we were able to stumble upon at our dinner table. And I apologize in advance, or I guess after the fact, if we made anyone either really hungry or very nauseated from the past 15 minutes. Yeah. Sorry about the cream corn ocean yeah, thing. My bad. That's pretty terrible. Cream corn ocean sounds like a 90s band. It really does. Blind melon, cream corn ocean. Yeah. They all they're headlining they had, together. It's great. They had one hit. It was it was pretty good though. Uh, okay. Sink or swallow. Mm. No. <laughs> Another song. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, speaking of other weird segments that we do here on the BNB, I want to get into the Ron Clark rule of the week. So Ron Clark has his 55 essential rules, and we are creating an addendum to his rules, uh, which we will have a total, including the original Ron Clark, of 69 rules by the end of this season. So these are the rules that we have compiled so far. Uh, and these all relate to survivor and you know sort of you know what what can we learn uh, about survivor how to play survivor and how we should behave what are the rules to follow so rule number 56 is ream daily the next rule is speak softly and carry a big snake or don't, gummy snake or gummy snake yes don't eat the gummy snake though potentially it's up to you don't be stupid stupid watch your back always go through someone's bag 20 minutes ago have Joey Amazing on your tribe. <laughs> all's fair in love and war dog. So now. Should we, should we change the all's fair in love and W? In love and W. Yes. And also I need to change the Joey Amazing. Have Joey Amazing on your tribe, comma, pre-merge. <laughs> uh, was that comma? Did you yes, say? Comma, <laughs> pre-merge. That's, I I'm assuming comma. Ron Clark is such a big comma fan that he's going to change all the, the Ron Clark rules to have the word comma written instead of the actual punctuation mark comma. <laughs> That's right. I would expect that as well. Find and replace. Uh, okay, so we have to come up with our Ron Clark rule for this episode. So, uh, Mike, I don't know if there was anything that stood out to you that could yes. potentially be a Ron Clark rule. Did you guys notice what Ron Clark was wearing in the second half of the episode? Okay, he had like a, a vet, like a um, uh, vest thing on, I think, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Was it like a sleeveless vest with a tie? So what he had was was, he, he, he had like his yellow uh, his yellow button down shirt that he's had since the beginning. It looked like he had a vest and a bow tie on and he had khakis on that he rolled up to his knees. Ironically enough, based on another celebrity that was on the previous season, he sort of looked like a kid from School of Rock after uh, Mr. Schneebly like, says, alright kids, roll up your sleeves. We're about to, you know, get down to business. So... There's the adage, right, of dress for the job that you want when it comes to going out for an interview. <laughs> I'd like to throw out dress for the blind side you want because he dressed up for tribal council and he got the blind side that he wanted. Oh, I like that. Um, I think also it would be eventually become a tell. You'd be like, oh, Susie's wearing her good shirt tonight. <laughs> like, yeah. She's got on her Sunday best. She wants blood yeah, on it. Yeah, but that's good. I mean, also, it's respectful, I think, to the person that you're sending home, you know? It is. It's like a funeral. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Antonio, do you have any thoughts about. Yeah, like a hitman wears a suit. I liked what Mike uh, said, honestly. The only thing I really noticed, Ron wise, this episode is it didn't seem like it took much uh, for Joe to really set him off. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. Joe, basically, Joe basically was like, you know, uh, go follow those nards. But he also said, uh, maybe that's 
that's the rule. Maybe that's just the rule is go follow those nards. How dare um, you call those people nards? <laughs> but, but um, you know, the, the funny thing was in Ron's confessional after he's like, Joe made a big mistake. <laughs> it's like, what? All he did was tell you, like, groups can form very quickly and you got to make sure you're not, you know, you're not getting, it's not happening without you. Like, seemed like he was being pretty nice, but Ron was like, he didn't talk to me. I asked him who to vote for and he didn't tell me. Uh, so apparently one of the rules should be like, tell Ron who to vote for. <laughs> like, be very upfront with Ron. Yeah. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was, it's like I'll, always have an answer. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. Always have a clear answer. I think um, he also Joe was doing a little bit of the Buster Bluth, like "Hey, buddy." When Ron came up to Joe, I don't know if that like immediately set him off. He's like, "This guy's being suspicious." He called me buddy, <laughs> so I don't, uh, I don't quite know what was going on there. But yeah, it was like very aggressive. I mean, I guess we know that he's been Ron has been targeting Joe for a while now, so I guess it shouldn't be surprising. I don't know if this was just his justification for wanting that, but uh, but yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, the, the 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 Ron Joe relationship has been so interesting to me though because you're right. There was things where he said like, "All right, Julia, you go through her bag. I'm gonna go, you know, lean him off in another direction." As soon as they came back to comma, but then you have these things where like in the last double episode, he's like, ah, "I don't think we should get rid of Joe right now. We gotta have strength." Then in the confessionals, he's like, he planned on sticking by Joe to the point where he actually won't vote for Joe to leave because he figured everyone else will, and so. He he won't get blood on his hands so it's very confusing their relationship to the point where like you said Antonio the smallest thing of Joe just sort of sitting there doing arts and crafts and saying I don't know who to vote for apparently got Ron so peeved that he was the one to, to lead this crusade I'm going to put in a bold prediction here separate from the other predictions that I make I think the first comma six to fall is going to be Ron Clark mm. personally I can I can see that too um, yeah. I, I think you know Icarus. He, he's standing. He's, yeah, he stands out too. Um, the fact that he is the person who yeah, is leading he's wearing, the dance. He's, he's dressing so nicely. He's dressing. Yeah, exactly. It's he definitely stands out. Um, yeah, he's like doing all the dances in his nice uh, vest, vested, tied outfit. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I like the I like dress for the blind side. You want the other one that I was thinking of? Well, unfortunately, Chris didn't uh, <laughs> did not make it back into the game because. I had practice with your wood every morning. <laughs> because that was what Chris had said. He was like, I'm practicing every morning. So I hope that's not a rule that Ron shares with his students. <laughs> well, these don't inherently, this is not like an educator necessarily, right? This is yes. uh, more general or for survivors. for yeah. life, right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, or yeah, or keep comma and carry on was the other one I had that was that's pretty ridiculously good. stupid. But I think let's see if comma can kind of the comma six can keep it together and really keep comma and carry on. Um, mm. I like dress for the blind side. You want? Yep. Yeah. Yep. The only problem with your morning wood is that it came up being a big bust in the end. <sighs> I know it was uh, you know a little delayed with the knots and then just premature. So it's too bad. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> Not good. Not good. All right. You should have yeah, been bank. through them. That would have helped a lot. He had 30 to go through that. <laughs> would have tore through that in nothing if they were garlic knots. 
Jesus <gasps> Christ, what is going garlic on? Garlic knots! Oh my God, garlic knots are so garlic good. Knots are good. <laughs> Keith, yeah, you had 30 man. garlic knots to give someone else to eat before they completed the final I'm part of the challenge. It myself. <laughs> that actually, that's the thing that happens on the challenge, like the challenge challenge. It's like you need to give, sometimes they get, uh, they have a punishment they can give to someone else. And it's like you have to drink this bowl of mayo before you go compete in a challenge, like throw people off. So it could be, it could be. I think we need more food on Survivor. That's really what everybody wants, right? Survivor has not enough yeah, food. No, Survivor alumni are complaining they already have too much food. Essentially, what we did in the past 20 minutes was give them an abundance of food mm-hmm. just in a different permutation than they would initially think. I, I want to take it off the rails for a second and talk about food because we haven't been enough. But is, so is the prime, there's the primary difference between the edge of extinction and the main island that they don't have as much food in terms of they're not getting rewards and they're not, maybe they're not getting as much rice. Uh, and then that they don't get to go to challenges so it's more boring like it, what what is so terrible about the conditions that i'm missing it seems like old school survivor more than it seems like uh anything else like it just seems like they really don't have much food what's stopping them from building a better shelter what's mm-hmm. stopping them from foraging other than the fact that they like they don't have whatever the game is giving people for comfort or reward which is more what you're saying mike you set me off when you said old school survivors are complaining like it just seems like what it is is more of an older school type version of survivor whereas they're not being given all these rewards and comfort items and and things like that Mm, so okay so that's actually a really good point because not to get too ahead of ourselves we are going to play a little casuals corner in a second uh and the casuals were also they were like what a mistake you've made sending joe out to extinction island where he can just rest that was how they described it. it was like he doesn't have to compete in challenges and he gets to rest on the island of extinction obviously i think it is harsher conditions than they might be assuming but yeah i, I guess it really begs the, to, the question of what is the difference i think probably there's no reward challenges so you know you wouldn't get the added bonus of that but then what is different from someone who is not going to those or not winning those reward challenges i mean i guess maybe it has to do with the rice that they have because i know in the regular game they still have the provided rice so maybe that's the difference, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it's a good question, because I think the smaller ration of food is an option, but at the same time, that is something that's sort of been in the survivor zeitgeist. I remember that that was something that Jeff really talked up in season 36, for example, to really provide, you know, amp up the role of the providers. It does appear that they still have, you know, fishing equipment, though, because Chris was able to bring in some fish on extinction. In terms of the shelter question, I... I don't know. Maybe they did build a shelter because I feel like when we cut back to the camp, they're not all sitting in that ship's hull. It feels like there are several structures that they're laying in, but I don't know if that's something they built. I don't know if that's something that they had constructed for them. I wonder if one factor as well is just, again, going back to these purgatorial aspects, at least in the game of Survivor, a lot of players have talked about the fact that they love challenges and tribal council if for nothing else that it helps break up the monotony of everything you're not just sitting out on an island you have stuff to do i wonder if it's just the never-ending boredom and malaise out on extinction that can cause someone to go crazy the fact that you're waiting god knows how long for something to actually happen and otherwise you know they'll break it up now by providing them little maps and fun things to do but other than that you're doing nothing over the course of the day that might, yeah. that might lead to harder conditions from a mental perspective 
Right. Uh, so I just don't, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that aspect because we're not really seeing it as you're observing. Like we, there are structures now and there's fishing gear and there's morning practices and the occasional challenge for an advantage or a disadvantage. And uh, so I don't know, there isn't the stress of the vote out or getting voted out. There's the time to sit around and just run a social game while you're out there and hope you can get jury votes. Like, I don't think that it's, uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll just see how Joe handles it. Yeah. I don't think it'll be rest, but I'll be interested to see how a guy who seems to be built for that uh, responds to it. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to sidetrack it here, uh, but the... Oh, no, this is like the all sidetracks. We're like Wendy getting lost on all these paths. That's the freaking forest, I'm telling you, on the way in. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I so I didn't mean to... Uh, but you said about the older players, and it made me think like... I, that's what I've been thinking about. It just... Is it... Other than the fact that there are no challenges or real rewards you can earn, uh, the fact that they're getting any food at all uh, provided to them, even though it's minuscule by comparison, I think, um, and they have the opportunity to forage for more, maybe it's just that the island they're on has less resources mm-hmm. on it uh, and less opportunities, but... If they could build a shelter up a little bit, I mean, Joe getting out there might change the way that island looks uh, because we know how he is. So he might get out there and make it a, a really good place to be. Yeah, I Joe was definitely bred for bred for this, bred for Extinction <laughs> Island. Uh, it's going to be interesting. He, he'll make it an actual, actual yeah, the, in our, in the challenge, bred to walk on as balance beam. Uh, yeah, he'll he who knows what he'll make it into. Um, although I also Mike to go back to your point about oh they're giving them little activities to do. I like that. They're, oh, you get a highlights magazine, and they're trying to like spot the difference between the two pictures, and then fold the map well, and go like get I the mean, rice. Aubrey did compare it to the Survivor waiting room, did she not? Yeah. When she was on Extinction, so that sort of feels like it that they're given the highlights magazine. They have the little play structure with the with the, yes, the wooden bees. beads that they have to run through the track. <laughs> Is that a requirement for all like children's doctors' offices? You must have one of those structures with the little beads on the like rail that you have to move around. If that was made out of food, hmm, I might be more interested in going to the doctor. <laughs> I was going to say, I think you might have more children going to the doctor for unknown reasons. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So I alluded to this, or I didn't even allude to it. I said it. We're going to do Casual's Corner. So let's do Casual's Corner. <laughs> Iconic. I know. Right? There, these are, this is a thing that I said earlier, and now we are going to do that thing now at this time in these podcast opulence i predict everything okay so (laughs) here is what your job is going to be we're going to play the game casuals corner where the two of you have to predict what the casuals are thinking so i pulled three comments from the survivor facebook page and i have written one of them you're going to try to guess which comment i wrote so Let's kick things off. This first question is for you, Mike. And this is actually about something that Antonio talked about earlier, Joe's appearance. Okay, here are your comments. A, the pirate will come back in and destroy everyone. B, why is Captain Jack Sparrow on Survivor? C, I can't believe they made Jack Sparrow walk the plank. Yar! <laughs> Skull and crossbones emoji. <laughs> D, I like Joe. He looks like a pirate. They should cast him in a pirate movie. Go, Joe. So, first of all, uh, Rupert is crying to himself that the fact that, like, so many years later, now he has been dethroned as the pirate king on Survivor. Yeah. All right. I mean, C seems like the one that really sticks out. The other three just sort of, like, blend together. Joe's a pirate. Joe is a pirate. Uh, Joe looks like a pirate, etc. But I guess my question is, did you have... 
Did you write the weef or did you write the chaff? I feel like you wrote the chaff. I'm going to go with D because D just seems by far the most basic of the four. Okay, so I liked the logic. Uh, no, I wrote the I wrote the wheat. <laughs> C was mine. <laughs> I but I I had to include a question on it because I pulled. I kid you got like not like probably 20 comments that were all like Joe's Captain Jack Sparrow, Joe's Captain Jack Sparrow. And then I just had to stop doing it because I was like, I get it. I get it. You think that he's Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Congratulations, you basic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we get okay. it. All right. What do you think smells worst? Captain Jack Sparrow, Joe and Extinction, or a durian, Antonio? Oh my gosh, durian, for <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I don't even know that we can, and this is hearkening to our top chef, but uh, durian would be a food that we could put in any of these challenges, and I'm not sure they would eat it. It might make it worse. <laughs> you should uh, introduce it to the casuals, see what they think. <laughs> Throw a durian at this target, and when it explodes, like everyone will evacuate the challenge. <laughs> okay, Antonio, this question is for you. This is all about Joe as a provider. A, can't believe they voted Joe out. Good luck hunting coconuts now, losers. B, Joe for the win. I could care less if those idiots starve. C, well, at least the people on the edge won't starve no mo. D, Go, Joe. I am 100% behind you. Do what Joe has to do to survive. You're the beast of beast. Don't feed those butt wipes or anything else. <laughs> Wait, don't feed those butt wipes or anything else? <laughs> if, you see, if you see a turtle, don't you dare feed that turtle, Joe. You're the beast of the beast. Dare you. Well, you don't know. Butt wipe might also be the turtle, too. It might re- this person might exactly. really hate turtles. <laughs> butt wipe the turtle. Famous turtle. Um... <laughs> the typo i think uh in b is uh, probably i mean i want to say that that's the kind of typo that someone would make because they believe the word is the word uh, uh ironically enough it is the, careless <laughs> yes it's but it's it's the kind of thing i couldn't careless but it's the kind of thing that you would also uh write uh because it's too funny um i i gotta go with d because if it's wrong i still want to give you credit for being hilarious so i'm gonna say d is the real one is it d is the real one. D, yes. no, D is the one that I wrote. Oh, D is the one that you wrote. My apologies. Okay, I yes. wish that one, I loved Beast of Beast. Don't yeah. feed those butt wipes. No, I actually yeah. wrote A. Good luck hunting coconuts yeah. now, losers. Uh, I love that. <laughs> They're hard to track. <laughs> well, the, the care less one. Uh, I had to read it twice because I was like, care less. <laughs> oh, I got to pull it. Uh, oh, my God. I love it. Should that be, uh, can we put that as like a, a, a ghost Ron Clark rule? Don't feed those butt wipes. <laughs> yeah. Or anything else. Uh, and then, yeah, the Ron Clark rule. Yeah. Don't feed those butt wipes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, there has to be. I don't mean to interrupt the game here, but I'm going to. There has to be a term, uh, and, and there may be, for when people create a word uh, or create a phrase and make it sound like something that it isn't. And here's a perfect example. This week, there's a Ferris wheel in Cincinnati on on uh, our riverfront, and it's a itinerant exhibit that will be leaving soon. Uh, this week, a couple was caught uh, in sexual congress on the Ferris wheel, and they were charged with a crime for such. Uh, act uh-huh. and in the uh, citation which was now made public the police officer wrote that they were engaged in sexual intercourse which was spelled incorrectly <laughs> in the presence which was spelled incorrectly of children on the fairest f-a-i-r-e-s-t <laughs> wheel 
<laughs> and I thought calling it a Ferris wheel actually makes more sense than a Ferris yeah, wheel. Everyone's on equal ground. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Ferris wheel of the mall. Uh, so, it's a cheat uh, to be in a certain position on the wheel, so it's the Ferris one. Yeah, so I think uh, careless and careless. I think. I mean, I think that there. So that there are these things, and and I. We, it comes up from time to time. You just see typos or things that that make sense, uh, or or that people have invented as a phrase that aren't really real, but maybe make more sense in that way. That Ferris wheel makes more sense than Ferris wheel because Ferris is, I guess, a name and not an otherwise word. Uh, so careless. I, there has to be a word for that sort of phenomenon where the human brain in 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 like as a group or just on its own creates a term that isn't there for something that they don't yeah, understand. Yeah, but seeing all its genius was able to create something that maybe makes more sense. I, I feel yes. like I feel like it should be like the Mandela effect, but give it a different name. Mm. Right, the Ferris yeah. like wheel, the, man, the, the Mandela effect. <laughs> That's what it's always been, right? Yeah, where you yeah. where you sort of uh, you come up with a term and then you decide to eliminate yourself from using that term. Mm, yeah. I like okay. it. I like it. So yeah, TBD. I'll take submissions on yeah. that. One. You can let we'll me think know. about it. We'll- and other examples of them. There are there are tons of examples out there. But uh, but I but I would love that. Uh, I would love to hear some if you if you know what I'm talking about. These here. are collective brains. Although you know, yes, yeah, please. the B and B brains. <laughs> We're trying. Too many mints. Too many mints. <laughs> a lot of mints. Um, okay. So so there was a lot of outrage over Joe going, uh, which I'm not. There's not a question. Really, about I couldn't tell from the first yeah. two questions you asked. Leon. Oh. oh I was going to write a question about this, but then just I couldn't figure out a way to do it. So some of the comments that were said about Joe going, he will be back and conquer all. Hell hath no fury like a Joe scorned. Retribution is coming. Bad move. He will be back stronger. Big mistake. He has the power of the man bun. He will prevail. No, he will rise again like the Phoenix. He is. Go, Joe. That is just a subset. I think, I think you could have go on to different Facebook pages and play a different game called, are they talking about Joe or are they talking about Jesus? And we have to figure out which one they're, they're writing about. Okay, but like, actually, that's what I was thinking. It was like, is, he's gonna like, come back stronger. What? <laughs> yes, in oh, three God. days he will return <laughs> from the cave of extinction. Yeah. Strike me uh, down yeah. and I shall come back smellier than ever. Ugh. There were two sets of footprints in the sand. <laughs> He's always watching. Okay. Yes. A silent witness in every conversation. Painting the flag. Amen. Okay. So, uh, but that being said, there are apparently other people on this season not named Joe. So let's talk about them for a little bit. Mike, this question is for you. A. Wendy and Steve called it quits. Yay. <laughs> B. I'm happy two nut Chuck made it back into the game. <laughs> oh my God. C. Dreamy hair Greg. You are silly and delightful. Or D. Survivor overload. Survivor shocker. Joe goes with an idol. Joe's weakness seems to be social skills. And Wendy quits with Kevin. Ouch. <laughs> so to be clear, Keith has been called both Kevin and Steve. Is that the first one? Yeah. Yep. yep. Oh, I am obsessed with two nut Chuck because that makes does not make sense on so many levels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe maybe they're referring to the two idols that Rick had as two nut Chuck. Two nut Chuck. I'm googling two nut Chuck as we speak, so keep keep Uh-oh. going. Okay, two nut Chuck—that's what's in that sausage, right? That Be they're careful. carrying around. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we have Wendy and Steve. Yes. We have two nut Chuck. We have who? What was the third one? Dreamy haired Greg. 
Dreamy-haired Greg, who I can't... Is there anyone else who has dreamy hair besides Joe? Yeah, I don't uh, know. Maybe David or Wardog by default. Uh, and then we have Wendy and Kevin. I feel like it's got to be either A or D, because I don't think there are two people who confuse Keith's name. I'm going to say you wrote D. Okay. Uh, that was a good guess. I, I wrote B. I wrote the two that one. Is it a- <laughs> Unfortunately, that was not a real comment as much as now I really wish it was. Um, actually, there were a couple people who had different names for Kevin. So there were a couple Kevins that got referred to. Um, one, <laughs> Kevin referred to Devin's. Kevin Devins, which I thought was pretty close, and then Keith and Kevin. So I was going to have a question that was like, who's Kevin? (laughs) Uh, But I can only find two comments, unfortunately. Okay. So, Antonio, uh, this question is about fan faves uh, not named Joe. A. Chris is the only deserving winner of this season. B. Wanted Chris, but the newsman will do. C. My guy, Rick Nevins. But the S's are uh, dollar signs. <laughs> and oh, then, he's yeah. And then D. I want Dad Bod to win. Then Joe. I'm also a huge Joe fan. <laughs> I'm, glad they, I'm glad they clarified <laughs> I know, themselves. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I, again. I'm gonna pick the one that I hope you wrote because it's the one I like the most. I'm picking C because I like the dollar signs for Devin. That is correct. Yes, that one was yes. me. I did see a couple people use dollar signs. I was inspired by that, but it was mainly when they were using uh, a dollar sign, dollar sign to censor themselves. <laughs> Can we go back? You wrote to Nut Chuck. Did yeah. I get that right? Yes. What what are you is that a what is that a reference to a TV show or what are you pulling that from? I think it's from? from the I'm pretty sure it's from the League. Uh the TV show yeah, the that's League. What, that's what I turned up on my Googling. I remember Sat and Gum. I just didn't remember oh, that God. that was his uh I didn't remember he was called Two Nut yeah. Chuck uh in the parlance <laughs> yeah, of the show. So here I we was go. like, I need a name for someone and then like <laughs> I don't uh, brains work in mysterious ways, I will just say that. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right, Mike. This question is for you. Uh, this is some um, talk about the edge of extinction. A, I love Joe, but to win, they needed to keep him there until there is no more safety of edge. He is truly not gone. He could have helped people along the way. B, since Joe went to the wedge of extinction, he <laughs> will definitely come back into the game. C, at least people on or at least people at edge of distinction will get to eat with Joe there or D. Oh, my Lord. The edge is killing me. Hashtag. Come on, God. <laughs> oh, no. Did Kevin write that last one? <laughs> yeah. Might have uh, well, been. Kevin can Kevin can wait. Apparently, he did not wait long enough to uh, stay in the game, though. No. So, yeah. what yeah. the wedge, wedge of God doxed him? He didn't. He didn't friend yeah. him. Wedge of extinction could have been the uh, if we make an island out of cheese. That can mm. be our, our name for our next Survivor season. The cream corn <laughs> wedge of extinction. We can't go out oh swimming. The ocean's made of cream corn. I'm stuck on a big piece of manchego. This is hell. Mm. <laughs> All right, so. Let's see. Can uh, what was A again? I love Joe, but to win, they needed to keep him there until there is no more safety of edge. He is truly not gone, and he could have helped people along the way. See, I feel like that's too long for you to have written. Yeah. B is wedge of extinction. C is 
Which one? Let's see again. Edge of Distinction. Ooh, I feel like you wrote C because I remember in the closed captioning for the episode, I see distinction every time extinctions message mm. it mentioned. So hopefully we're on the same wavelength here. Ooh, that's a good one. I actually said, okay, here, full disclosure, I didn't actually write D. I did retweet it though. Carl Boudreaux tweeted, oh my lord, the edge is killing me. Hashtag come on, God. And I just love that tweet so incredibly much. So I had to include it here. So that was a little bit of a trick question. I know. So, you know, the Kalish uh, uh, attackers can come at me as well for the trick questions. Okay, Antonio, what happened to Wendy and Keith? A, so why wasn't Keith on the jury? What happened to him? B, so why did Wendy and Keith go home and the other three stayed? Must have missed something. C. Wonder why Wendy yep. and Keith weren't at tribal in part of jury. Then Joe gets voted out and becomes fourth person in jury. Something happened for those three to get picked to be on jury. Wendy and Keith are just there and won't be part of jury. Hmm. <laughs> or D. It's not fair that Keith and Wendy get to go to Ponderosa while the others live on Crap Island. <laughs> crap island is what happens after you eat through the wedge of extinction <laughs> the manchego <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> come on mm. god this is um this is <sighs> i feel like you a and b were very similar uh c was the one that is the standout for sure so the question is is it a standout because that's a special person or a special person who i'm talking to uh and D I I feel like you wrote D. I feel like you wrote That's D. correct. I did write D. Yep. Yes. I like yep. the concept of crap island. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, are you spoiling one of your future predictions? Because I know you like to go with a d- bunch of different right. pseudonyms for the edge of extinction. I like wedge of extinction. That's personally my favorite, or edge of distinction, also great. Uh wedge of distinction might be the next name I use. Okay, two more questions. Mike, this one is for you. This is just a potpourri question. A, I always enjoy the snippets of beautiful scenery, but this year the scenery slash pictures are not vibrant and beautiful. The scenery is just average. What changed? So very disappointing. (laughs) Wow. I know, right? Okay. B, oh, dang, I fell asleep and missed it. C. <laughs> this is the best season of Edge of Extinction ever. Also, who put right. a nickel in Julie? Well, I'm glad. Th- I mean, they're not wrong. By default, this is the best season called ever. Survivor Edge of Extinction ever. Exactly. Uh, or D. I wish they would put together a challenge beast season and let them go against each other. Nobody would be scared of the Joes because they would all be Joes. The Joe Survivor Island. Survivor Oops if you wrote, all Joes. If you wrote, Yeah, if you wrote that, how dare you for speaking that into being? Like, please no. All right. Well, Go I ahead. feel like I'm discounting. A seems like it's too long, so I'm going to cut that off mm-hmm. with that logic. Uh, what was B again? Oh, dang. I fell asleep and missed it. Oh. I feel like you wrote B. I'm really I, I'm going to go with Antonio's logic that my favorite one is hopefully the one that you wrote. So I'm going to go with B, the person who overslept and decided to tell everyone about it. Unfortunately, that was a real comment. I wrote C. I loved B, though, because I love this. part. Like, I just tried to walk through this person's thought process of like they fell asleep. Then they went on the Facebook page to comment that, oh, dang, they fell asleep and missed it. I just <gasps> love it. 
All right. So, Antonio, technically you have won the game, but I'm going to give you one final question. And this is about the show Million Dollar Mile. So, <laughs> Million Dollar Mile, yes, yes, yes. The LeBron James show that aired after Survivor uh, this past week, they had a post in the Facebook group about it. And this is what the casuals had to say. A, I love Survivor and Joe, but Joe is on the wrong show. He needs to play this million dollar run show where his true talents can be appreciated. You mean running? (laughs) Million dollar run show. Okay. Uh, B, please, God, please don't let Tim Tebow in the doors at the Survivor reunion. C, nope, no interest in this. Please only show Survivor related posts. Or D, how were the ratings last season for that stupid Kevin Hart show that Survivor promoted? Oh, the Oscars? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too soon, Mike. Too soon. Um, I'm, I, I think that the people who post in that group have the memories of a goldfish from everything that I've experienced with getting players' names even on the current season incorrect, <laughs> let alone uh, remembering what summer shows were promoted or what previous seasons uh, or last fall, whatever. So I'm going to go with you wrote D about Kevin Hart. Uh, that was written by the casuals, which I was also very surprised. I, they really hated Kevin Hart at the reunion, so I wrote the Tim Tebow one at the reunion. Nice. I was thinking about that. Yeah, like, I, I just love this job. idea of like bouncers not letting Tim Tebow into the Survivor finale. Yeah, the minor league <laughs> baseball player Tim Tebow. Yeah. Um, okay, well, congratulations Antonio. You have won the Casuals Corner. So we didn't get to do the tiebreaker, but just in in, uh, in honor of Mike and his fascination with notable hats, there were a lot of comments. Noticeable hats. Noticeable hats. They, uh, there were a lot of comments about Victoria's hat. Um, yes. So I just, uh, let's just do this for, I think, for fun. So you are going to try to guess how many likes this uh, comment had. Um, and, and this isn't for a competition, so it doesn't matter. But the comment was Wentworth and Victoria, who wears a wool cap in tropical heat. Duh? Need to be voted off. <laughs> so if you have any guesses, let me know. Mike, we could talk this out together. Yeah. Like, do you think the Wentworth part of that is probably not going to generate as many likes? Because <laughs> she's like probably the, the, the like casual SEO, basically. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like Wentworth is, I don't think people are going to be like, yeah, I agree. Wentworth's got to go. But I do think that the hat part would probably get likes. I would say, I don't I'm, I'm going to say at least 10, but I don't know if it's that much past 10. Mm. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I want to say zero. <laughs> so our <laughs> guess is between zero and 10. Zero likes. Zero likes. Okay. All right. So uh, somewhere between zero and 10, uh, I will say you're off by a factor of like a thousand ish. Uh, depending oh on what it was, uh, so it had 316 <gasps> likes. What? Yeah. Uh, so which is crazy, but I will give you a little bit of insight. The casuals hate Wentworth now. Hate, hate, hate Kelly Wentworth. Like most of the top comments were like Wentworth and War Dog and L- maybe Lauren sometimes included need to go. There were in fact also some really uh, funny nicknames for War Dog, including Boar Dog, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, so yeah, it, that was a that was a real big shocker to me. Yeah, I mean, especially I don't know if we should like listen back to when you did the preseason casuals corner, but. 
you know, what a difference a series of uh, events and an edit makes in terms of a way a person is perceived between seasons. That's right. An unfortunate series of events for Kelly Wentworth in terms of the uh, the casuals eyes. Um, but yes. All right. Well, congratulations, everyone. I'm happy that we were able to learn that uh, the wedge of extinction, the edge of distinction twist is in play and the casuals love Joe, unsurprisingly. <laughs> Not surprised, yeah. I am uh I'm so happy that there are at least three hundred casuals who are in on me with all the Victoria's hat hype. <laughs> like that is a, that's a very comfortable bed to sleep in. Yeah, they're like really not about the hat. They hate that. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they yeah, exactly. So at least they notice it they notice it. So that's what matters to me. Something that I want to talk about, yet another small detail from this episode. So I don't know if, if you guys have been tracking this the past couple of weeks, but somebody tweeted at Jeff Probst, hey, you know what, we have a lot of advantages going on over the course of a survivor season. Would you be able to do some sort of tracker in the lower third where when their name comes up in a confessional, if they have an advantage, it will show up there. Jeff Probst actually, you know, give him kudos here, responded to it and they brought it into the episode. So I don't know if you guys noticed this this past episode, but Kelly's confessional had one immunity idol in it. Uh, Devin's had half immunity idol in it, which I thought was a very sort of weird thing to see, especially if you showed someone like Survivor. This is what Survivor is going to be in the year 2019. And they're just going to be very confused on so many levels. I thought what we could do is if you have any thoughts about previous players and other things you could put in their lower third. So I actually took this idea from the Survivor Reddit, particularly from a user called Bite Nibble Chomp, which is what Chris should have done through those garlic knots in that challenge. Uh, but a couple of a couple of stuff he, things he came up with was uh, Jason Siska, his lower third would say one effing stick. Uh, Johnny Fairplay would say one dead grandma. Uh, let's see, Tyson, it would say one arm, quote unquote, injury. <laughs> so do we have any ideas with if we instituted this rule for previous players to not just have advantages in the lower third, but like certain distinctions? What do you think they would be? <laughs> this I know this isn't an item, but this is the first thing that popped into my head for uh, Sierra Easton. It would be like voted out one mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one mom no longer in game. Yeah. <laughs> or one one vote against mom. Yeah, or something like that. Killed yeah, mother. exactly. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. So I think it would have to be, it would definitely have to be items that people procured. So like, um, you know, Ty could have like one chicken for friend <laughs> you know Ooh, i like that or like a uh, bruce from panama could be like one bad colon <laughs> yeah or like one rock garden <laughs> what he, he has um let's see colby could be you know one furry hat um mm. what else or, or jerry could be one crush on colby <laughs> yeah what about uh? What about Richard Hatch? Uh, one smuggled pack of matches, <laughs> <laughs> or one million dollars in unpaid taxes? Oh no! <laughs> Too soon. Uh, Don't talk about my mate like that. Like that's okay. Um, well, th well, this is ahead. actually. I mean, it's actually kind of interesting because what if they started doing it for all of the advantages, and so then you just have this whole like laundry list underneath, like one legacy advantage, well, one. Uh, it's funny because I, I don't know if I spoke this into existence like you, Liana, uh, with that horrible idea of the, uh, of the all challenge beast seasons that mm -hmm, you repeated. Uh, and now that I've said it again, it's like Beetlejuice is going to show up. But, uh, but 
I I think I maybe said that like as a casual like I think people I think casual fans might need that sort of tracker I mean have people forgotten what Ron's situation is at this point or like until you have a person say in a confessional like I have an idol I might have to play it I think it sometimes can help to remember who has what thing in play when you're adding so many of these things in play it's not the worst idea maybe they didn't handle it the best way but I think it's maybe maybe there's some there's some fire to this uh like has has double vote or there's some maybe there's some fire to this although the lower thirds uh, are people even reading them anyway I, I don't know where we go with it the people that need to read it probably aren't looking down there and reading words on their screen but uh i feel like i'm one who needs to read it like i lose track of who's got what at, at, at this point there's so many things going on so it's not the worst idea no i i agree and i feel like, like especially with a season like ghost island where there were moments where i'm right. like oh i forgot kellen had to steal a vote or an extra yeah. vote you know or sebastian yeah. had an extra vote like it's it's nice to have that in there where like you said Antonio you don't need to sort of bring in someone where it's like I have an extra vote tonight so I'll see if I need to use it on that note of advantages though I think it might have been easiest in game changers if you just put in Ceri's lower third no advantages just to sort of like that, that might have been easier than having to say the advantages that everyone else had or just disadvantaged <laughs> no advantage well so uh, one bad reputation I actually have a question about the whole Ron Clark thing so he had the option to select uh, advantage, but only for the first three tribal councils, correct? Mm-hmm. Could he, but like there's the talk of, oh, well, what if he selected the idol and then just like kept it as a fake idol that then he could have used? Or did he have to give it back? Like, is that thing completely dead? That's what that's what I'm saying. I have yeah. no idea. Uh, and I'm, I mean, I'm not I don't want to seem like I'm, I'm losing credibility by saying I don't know. I'm not representing that. I have some credibility about the things, the machinations of this season. I just I've lost track of that is my point. Like I it was brought up at the beginning. It was brushed over. It wasn't even shown as like a decision point, because I think one of the things he could have done was steal a reward uh, or there was some there were some options that he times he could have used it and they didn't show him like with his decision like i'm not going to use it right now or that was not a major part of the thing so i don't know where it stands mike mm. you probably do or i, do I mean not? I, your guess is as good as mine my hunch is that it actually reminds me a lot of when chrissy was gifted the super idol that she didn't use during the first vote of triple h where it did serve as story ramifications because that's how she came together so close with ryan and that's how you know she was able to survive post swap but I'm wondering, much like that idol got brought up in, I want to say, the finale, where she was sort of touting around and say, hey, Ben, look, I found the idol. And then Ben sort of got the last laugh on her in that regard. Ron had a plan in a secret scene where he was going to cut the bottom off of it, cut the bottom off of this permission slip, if you were, and then basically trick somebody with it. I wonder if that card is still in play and that's why we got shown it. Because otherwise, I agree with you, why show something that does not get access to the first three tribal councils? I feel like that's Chekhov's advantage menu that's going to come back into play at some point. Mm. Yeah, that's why I got confused because I was just like, what? I thought this was dead. So I was very confused and I thought thought it was just like that he, I didn't think it was an idol. I thought he was just the option to be immune at a tribal. So I was so confused. And so, yeah, maybe he's going to use it as, as a gameplay 
play item at some point. So, okay, that makes a little yeah, more I sense. Yeah, I mean, I assume if, it, if it's important to the narrative, we'll see it. But the fact that it was imp- right. like it was included early and then we haven't seen anything from it makes me feel like, okay, when it's important, it will come back up. But that's so long ago to like remember that he had that, you know? Like, Kevin has quit Extinction Island <laughs> and, uh, you know, how are you supposed to remember then that he got this advantage early on? But, you know, whatever. Eh, anyway, whatever, they'll figure it well, out. Well, and they're, th- they're throwing these things into the game, right? With the idea that people will use them for strategic purposes with Devin's this episode. Oh God, I can't believe I called him Devin's with Rick. This yeah, episode two nut Chuck, like the rest of us <laughs> with two nut Chuck, this episode uh, with Kevin yes. Devin's this episode, uh, the Devin's of distinction. Uh, then he, they said basically this may be the only thing you can use to save yourself strategically tonight. And then he didn't use it strategically in the way that I think maybe they intended where he would go to somebody like that was in the, in the dominant group and say, Hey, let's work together. Like if you, if he'd have gone to Julie, for example, uh, and said like, here's a thing I've got, like, let's work this out. Instead, he went to his traditional ally who was like him, I think a little bit behind what was going on and they just hoped for the best. So he didn't really use it super strategically in the way that I think they wanted to, to make really compelling television. Uh, so I think they throw these things into the game and so maybe they play out, maybe they don't. Uh, and the, the Ron one certainly didn't just through by virtue of the fact that he didn't need to use it at all. So maybe he will find some way to use it. All right, let's move on here to our final segment of each every week here on the BNB, the question of the week. Last week's question of the week. We are very casual minded this episode. We've got Joe on the brain continuing on that train of thought. What is it like to be Joey amazing? As per usual, we'll go through some of the thoughts that you listeners put out there and we'll give our own thoughts as well. First from Ryan Stanley. Joey Amazing's flights are always on time, and the person in front of him never reclines. That's a nice little poem there from Ryan Stanley. Aww. That would be... Like, okay, so if I had to pick some of these, like, that would be, you know, one... Okay, blah, 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 blah. Brain thing... Brain things are happening. Okay, I'm gonna restart. So... If all of these things were options for me to choose, for me to have in my life, having flights on time and the person ever in front of me reclining and maybe like a couple extra inches of space, I would for a thousand percent pick that one. I think it's lovely. Joey Amazing has lived his entire life in the world of extra leg room. Exactly. Ugh, that's what it's like to be Joey Amazing. Yep. He's in the exit row. <laughs> yeah, the exit row of life. Uh, yes, he's in the other row of John Tickham says, what it's, what's it, what it's like to be Joey Amazing. Anytime you order pizza with at least one other person, you always get the second to last piece, avoiding the awkward conversation of taking that last piece. Isn't it so funny how that always happens with all food of all time ever <laughs> that's shared? <laughs> that like last bite or last piece of anything. It's like, oh, you, or, or you just leave it. And everybody wants to eat it. But it's just sitting on the plate because like, oh, you don't yeah. want to be the person to take the last piece. No, it's, 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 it's like there's a big bystander syndrome that happens with the last piece of pizza. Oh. And this is not me judging, but like if that's the difference between you and Joey Amazing and like having a this super charmed life, then you're going pretty good. <laughs> like if that's the thing that's presenting you the biggest hurdle that you wish would just go right for you, like but I think you should take a step back and really nod, nod to yourself silently and say, things are pretty good for me. That pizza is my problem here. Is a super charmed life that semi charmed life parody song by Cream Corn Ocean? Yes. It is. I was just going to say it's Cream, it's Cream Corn Ocean's uh, famous hit, Super Charmed Life. Super Trump kind of life, I think. Exactly. Uh, the great DJ LaBelle <laughs> Klein says, My vision of life is Joey Amazing. Everyone smiles at you so much, it's impossible to sort out their intentions, but Chipotle is never out of guac. That could be like a real issue, right? 
Like if everybody's smiling at you all the time, it's kind of creepy. It's like a little bit Truman Show ish. Although if mm. Chipotle or never out of guac, but also free guac, like it doesn't cost extra. Yeah. Guac is no yeah. longer extra. They just throw you like the lanyap guac. Uh, <laughs> just like, oh, you're getting a burrito. Here's some guac. We, we, you know, you, you look like you want it. Like you seem like a nice guy. Like that could happen from time to time, but it happens for Joe exactly. every time. Can we sub out instead of the mud challenge that they usually do? We'll put guac in there instead of mud. And then <laughs> the, uh, the nacho soup that's left over. You like out in your nacho yes, soup. My, my Brandon nacho yes. soup. The classic, the already iconic <laughs> nacho suit. The Mike Bloom nacho suit room uh, of the B&B is my favorite suite. Parker Schimler says, uh, this happening every laundry day is what it's like to be Joey Amazing, which he sent us a picture basically of uh, a where you open the, someone opening the dryer and finding that all the clothes are already folded. <laughs> Amazing. Again, like, yeah, like small problems like Joe, just like laundry folding is his is the big hang up. So this is Joe. You just it's, it's folded. I was thinking like a life of privilege, happy, like, you know, just uh, can put pics of your peen on the Internet, and not have a real backlash, like stuff like that. that Joe gets away with uh, are probably the things that we should be thinking about, not uh, folding laundry. Sorry, okay. I like the fact that you went from, got, you know, like, really, we're going to talk about these like little issues and then your example yeah. was putting pictures of your peen on the internet and having no yeah, consequence. It. it wasn't a little issue, Leon. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not, not so little of an issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's just out there and proud and loving life. Uh, good for Joe, I guess. Chris Todd says, yeah. to be Joey amazing is being the only one able to overthrow the mayor of Slamtown and not get any consequences for it. That's his luck. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah, the coup of Slamtown. Very like Venezuela <laughs> in right now, you know? I could see that. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, it's so in right now. <laughs> well, it's just so Venezuela right in in joke. No, oh, Venezuelan? Yeah, Venezuelan. <laughs> I think they went to Nicaragua. <laughs> When they were in the season, yeah, no? yeah, they did. <laughs> I don't know. Nicholas Maduro is quaking. Uh, yeah. We have Caleb who says, uh, "Never having any debt, a job, a home, amazing hair, and everyone loving you and being amazing at everything." There you go, Antonio. Okay, so yeah, yeah, that's mine. I guess yeah, that that's the one I'm I'm after the the most like the most like cynical yet real response. Uh, and finally, Brad Black and Gold wrote in to say, uh, "I could go the celebrity Big Brother Gallagher route." And let me see if I can uh, do an impression here. What a life Joe Amazing leads in the Survivor game. Uh, or I could go with being Joe is everyone being cool with you no matter how you slice a bagel. But what being Joe is really like is moving Reem from a screw you, dude, to we were rooting for you, dude. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, by the way, just because we mixed food with challenges, you brought Gallagher into the mix, and I respect that. <laughs> Okay, that audio <laughs> clip that Rob plays on the Winter of Stein, the one Mike that you're doing, the what a life you lead in the big, big brother house, makes me laugh so hard every single time. And I just love this, and I'm very happy right now. Well, Liana, what is your uh, answer to what's it like to be Joey Amazing? Okay, I did not go the Antonio route of trying to come up with something. Oh, more big picture. Let's talk about life. Mine was super petty. Opens a pack of Starbursts and they're all strawberry. 
<laughs> oh, is that your flavor of choice? The pink ones? Yes, yeah, because they're the best. And it's been was no. voted that they're the best. So, Mike, whatever you're about oh, to say, okay. you're wrong. So. I, well, I, I love the red ones, personally. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, if fair. I'm going with, like, fruit flavors, give me cherry over anything. So that, that's my personal choice. Because democracy is always right, Leona. Everyone knows Always that. right. Hey, this is a popular yep, yep. vote here, okay? <laughs> Can you buy just a bag of the pink Starburst? Is that it? Might have been like, I think that was a thing at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with like the, uh, you know, like certain flavors of Skittles or like, you know, can't you like buy like one flavor of Skittles as like a specialty item that uh, Skittles released or something? Yeah, I feel like I've seen like like the Starburst jelly beans are like all yeah. reds. I feel like I've seen all reds, but I don't know if I've seen all pinks, but if it's the most popular flavor, then I mean, they've got to do it. Yeah. All right, Antonio, what about you? You went the more macro route, it sounds like. I did, but I think I pretty much already said mine, which is just to be able to show your uh, business off on the internet just uh, with absolutely no shame and no blowback, so or Joe back, as it were. Uh, he lives a pretty charmed life, it seems. Uh, and and that's, uh, I think the other thing is to still be able to get away with the, uh, the long hair bun uh, handlebar mustache look in 2019 uh, and not, and the casual still love you for it. Like, that's uh, pretty charmed life i'd say mm. but i think the i think the penis on the internet thing mm. is where i'm at uh the two i had are every time he doesn't study for a test it turns out to be open book uh, and also joey amazing is the one who gets all the hidden blocks every time you play mario party oh of course oh. he would yeah. and he gets the yellow one and it's always a star <sighs> yeah, screw that guy it's not coins Ugh, man yeah. he's so amazing <laughs> So next week we were talking a bit about the uh, the Devin's best friend necklace idol, and there were some comparisons, including on this podcast, to the idol to you know those those best friend necklaces that you break apart. So we're going to get a little creative here on the B and B for next week. I want everyone out there to make your own two part idol, so it can be something. It can be a craft. It can even just be an object divided into two parts, but make something that will pair well together to be able to come together and become its own idol. An example I can put out there, uh, a pair of socks. You give one sock to each person, and then when they come together, they form their own hidden immunity idol. Aww. So you have a bunch of ways you can reach out to us with all these ideas. You can always tweet it to us using the hashtag RHAPBNB. You can email us using RHAPBNB at gmail.com. Post it on RobHasAWebsite.com, on Facebook, on Reddit. Uh, we are surveying it all out there, and we'll be breaking it all down next week with our next guest, Brent Wolgamot, who Leon and I have talked about for weeks on end at this point about the RuPaul's drag rates in all ways, shape, or forms. We are bringing him over to the B&B to talk about some Survivor, though there'll certainly be some drag race stuff along the way. So cannot wait for that. Antonio, thank you so much for coming on. It truly was a treat, unlike the treats that the Survivors are holding over their heads during the challenge. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on. Yeah, and I'm now very hungry. Thank you so much for having me. Is there continental breakfast at the B&B, or is this cream corn? What's going on here? Cur cream corn and salvia for breakfast here at the B&B. <laughs> I was going to say, the mints were delicious, so if you have anything more like that, so salvia would be great. Uh, that sounds fantastic. I'm all in. No, thank you guys so much. It's always a pleasure, and uh, I enjoy uh, this side of Survivor, perhaps more than any side of Survivor at this point. So uh, It's always fun to check in on what the casuals are up to and uh 
I, I'm just, I'm just so now I will never look at survivor challenges again without thinking of food mm-hmm. first. As you that's, that's our hope here. Yeah. On the BNB. Yeah. How can people follow you yeah. on social media to catch up on everything you're doing with your life? Yeah. Hit me up at AC Mazzaro with two Z's and one R. I definitely want to hear more uh, examples of Ferris wheel. Uh, I know there's one that it's just right on the tip of my tongue and I'm, I'm not setting something up here. I unfortunately can't think of it. Uh, but there are, there are these things that people say. Um, and it's not just like moot point versus mute point, although that works. Yeah. If you don't understand the word moot, you can say mute. And at, at this point, people are saying mute point and it just doesn't matter. But there's a lot of that sort of thing. Um, I, in, and I, I think I, so if you've got any of those, just let me know. I want to hear them uh, because that that's what I'm here for. All right, Liana, what do you have going on? Yeah. Uh, okay. So B&B, obviously. Uh, and then Sir uh, Drag Race coverage of season 11 with Brent Walgmont and of course, Mike Bloom um, will be back. So we are going to cover this week's episode, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, you can find me on social media at Liana Boris, L-I-A-N-A-B-O-R-A-A. Yes. You can always follow me at in Mike Bloom type. You can check out all the stuff I'm doing for Hollywood Reporter, Parade, Comic Book Resources. I'll also be back on the Star Trek Discovery podcast this week with my wife, Angela Bloom. We'll be breaking down this most recent episode. Should be a lot of fun. I don't think I've ever talked Star Trek on the mic with her. So we shall see uh, what intergalactic nonsense comes of it. Happy to be back. This has been so much fun. Liana, you did a really great job with the Real Weird Sisters yeah, last did. week. And I uh, can't wait to, to go from here and see both what the season and what the B&B will provide. More food. <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, I, I really liked the talk last week. I actually thought of one. Baited breath. Uh, instead of baited like abated, mm. B-A-T-E-D, people spell it B-A-I-T-E-D. Baited yes. breath. Like you've put some kind of bait in your breath, I think, and you're waiting there for someone to trap <laughs> them. Uh, so this is what I'm talking about. Things like that where people just don't know and then they recreate the term. So it still makes a little bit of sense, uh, like Ferris wheel, but maybe not the most <laughs> If you sense. eat a bunch of worms, does that make you have baited breath? I think it would. It would. Any kind of bait, really. Uh, but yeah, worms would certainly worms be Worms in a tongue well, ring. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll certainly be waiting on bated breath next week to see what comes of this season as we break it all down with Brent Wolgamot. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, send us your answers to the question of the week. You can also send us a bunch of game ideas. If you have that, special thanks to Corey B for his Survivor Food Substitutions game that became a big hit, suffice to say, I think, amongst the three of us. Hopefully you all enjoyed it as well. Special thanks to Scott St. Pierre for editing all this behind the scenes. Our head writer, Paul Oslison, Wolf from America for our kick-ass theme song. Thank you all for listening. We'll check you out at your next day. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Sounds cool, I can tell you the name is the R H A. You can say for free. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online 
In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.